today's Pentecost Sunday. You could argue it's the first harvest team day. Um, so as the harvest teams go out this afternoon, um, if anyone wants to go out with them, then we're going to look at the first moment where the disciples go out into the harvest field. Um, right. So last week, if we were at the All Together, Adam talked about four kind of elements of trajectory that kind of lead to this moment. He talked about death. He had a picture of skull and crossbones, and he asked what it meant, and we all said pirates. Um, but he went death. Um, he talked about the resurrection, and then he preached on the ascension. So when Jesus left, and he promised the disciples that he was going to send the Holy Spirit, and then he, and then he went up to heaven, got taken up to heaven. And then the fourth one is today, which is, which is Pentecost, um, what we call Pentecost. Pentecost was a, a feast at the time in the Jewish calendar um, that was celebrated every year and goes back I mean, about 1,500 years before. So they, it wasn't a first Pentecost in that sense. Um, the Feast of Pentecost was, had been celebrated for, for around 1,500 years previous to that. I'm not going to go loads into the story. I'm going to give you a quick overview of the of the story from Acts 2. And I think the first four verses are going to appear behind me in a minute. Because um, I want to go a slightly different direction because today is an opportunity to engage with the Holy Spirit and we want to make sure that we do that. So, first of all, the Holy Spirit is promised by Jesus. So, in Acts 1, and actually in a bit of End of, end of Luke as well, so she's written by the same author, uh, Jesus promises to send the Holy Spirit. He will give them power um, before he ascends. And the disciples are told to wait. Um, and they actually wait for around, around 10 days from the ascension to the Holy Spirit coming, which is 50, 50 days after the resurrection, actually. And it comes during the Feast of Pentecost. So we read that first, first four verses. It says, When the day of Pentecost arrived, they were all together in one place, and suddenly there came from heaven a sound like a mighty rushing wind, and it filled the entire house where they were sitting, and divided tongues as a fire appeared to them, and rested on each one of them. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit, and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. So they were all filled with the Holy Spirit at this point, and the gift of tongues was given to each one. Now at the time, Jews from all over the there, not just Jerusalem, were in Jerusalem because of the Feast of Pentecost. We don't know if that's why God chose that moment to send the Holy Spirit, but it, it would suggest maybe it was because they were all there. They are all present. And each of them heard in their own language. So they're all from all over the place. And if you read through Acts 2, I'm not going to do it today. You, you'll see some of the places they come from. But they're all there and they all speak different languages. Um, but they all hear in their own language through these disciples. And they're amazed and rightly confused. Um, some scorn and think they're drunk um, because of how they're behaving. And then Peter gets up and gives his first preach. So we say his first sermon and gives explanation to what's happening. He creates an understanding by referencing the prophet Joel from Joel 2, 28 to 32. He also creates a connection with who Christ was and is, um, with the, the, the psalmist, King David as well, because he, he also mentions Psalm 16, and he also mentions Psalm 110. So because they're Jews, they understand their past, they understand the history, probably better than, than most of us would do our own past and history. Um, their, their culture, that was really, really important to understand where they come from. 
Um, so he connects what's going on then at that moment with their, with their past, using both Joel and King David as well. And then through Peter's words, his Holy Spirit-empowered words, as we know, 3,000-odd Jews come to repentance and they're baptized. Quite a day, I would say. Yes, 3,000 people. I mean, it's amazing to hear about James, young man, giving his life to Christ. Imagine 3,000 all at the same time. It must have been quite a day. First harvest moment um, that the disciples were involved with. But why do we as a church pay so much attention? So we normally would be doing Joshua today, carrying with our theme of Joshua, but we pause to give a special focus to Pentecost uh, because it's super important. That's the short answer. Other than the story of Christ himself, this point in scripture is probably the most important, most pivotal moment in the whole of the New Testament in terms of us as a church. It's the moment where God the Son completes his earthly mission and God the Holy Spirit institutes the formula of what we call today the church and how it should work, how it should operate. It's a hugely pivotal moment and should rightly resonate with us today, not just today, every day. So to, to begin to even understand the story and its impact on us, we need to understand who the Holy Spirit is, I think. And that's kind of where I want to take this today. But if you start looking and exploring the Holy Spirit, you realize that 20 minutes on a Sunday, just not going to do it justice. Um, it would take a, a very lengthy teaching series to explore the different facets of who the Holy Spirit is. So I'm hoping we can do this as a team a little bit. We're short on numbers, so this is going to be interesting. Um, what I've done is drawn up, and this is non-exhaustive, by the way, so there's stuff artists should be thinking, we didn't mention that, we didn't mention that. Um, it's simply because of time more than anything else. But a 15-point list of some of the aspects of who the Holy Spirit is. And then, then I've evidenced it with, a, with a, a verse or two for each one as well that hopefully engages us um, with these different aspects. And the prayer is, as we explore together, it will bring some understanding at a, a mind level and, at a, deep, and a deeper heart level as well. And it will direct our attention towards the Holy Spirit, which is what's key today. And it's key every day. And then we're going to have an opportunity to engage with him um, in whatever way that looks like for us. And I'll come to that in a bit. So you're up for that? Who's up for reading out some verses this morning? <laughs> this is going to go really well. Um, I had thought about coming along and trying to get 15 people to help me. And I thought, that's not going to work. Um, but if I read out, give you the first few verses, if, if anyone wants to do it, then um, I get to look it up so that you pause and ready to go. And if this, we run out of volunteers, then I can do the rest. It's not a problem. So the first one to look at will be John 15, verse 26. Who wants to do that one? Yeah, yeah, of course. Bible on your phone. That's the other way of doing it. So who's going to do the first one? John 15, 8. First, yeah, chapter 15, verse 26. All right, don't read it out just yet. The next one will be 1 Corinthians 2, verses 10 and 11. Who wants to do that one? Joel, thank you. Uh, one after that will be John 14, also verse 26. Who wants to do that one? Tom at the back. 
2, verses 10 and 11. I'll remind you in a minute anyway. Uh, who wants to do 1 Corinthians 2, verse 13? Anyone? Please, thank you. Uh, Acts 13, verse 2. Who wants to do that one? Here's my friend, sorry, I don't even know your name. Phil, thanks, Phil. Appreciate that. It's amazing. Uh, next one, Acts 15, verse 28. Angela, fantastic. Um, just get them all lined up and then we'll go through them. Uh, Ephesians 4, verse 30. Dorcas, thank you for that. Uh, Hebrews 10, verse 29. Yeah, at the back, thank you. Uh, Acts 16, verse 6 and 7. Becky, thank you. Uh, 1 Corinthians 2, verse 11. Jane, thank you very much. Uh, Romans 8, verse 26 and 27. Lovely, thank you. Straighten at the deep end, I love it. Uh, Romans 8, verse 16 as well. Anyone want to do that one? Yeah, Jason at the back, thank you. Uh, three more to go. John 16, verses 14 and 15. Nelly, thank you. Uh, John 16, verse 13. Do you want to do that one as well? As it's literally in this, the one before, but I'll direct you to how to do that. And the last one is Acts 2, verse 3, which is literally on the screen behind me. Last one. Yeah? Thank you very much. Wonderful. Thank you. Wow. Brilliant. Right, so this is going to be a bit of a whistle-stop tour um, of some of the aspects of the Holy Spirit, which will hopefully give us a bit of a, a broad understanding. We have no time to go deep this morning in terms of teaching on this stuff, but hopefully it will encourage you to explore it beyond today and then encourage you to, to engage with him when, I, when I'm done and we're worshipping it again. Right, firstly, number one, so this is John 15, verse 26, the Holy Spirit is a person. He's part of the Trinity. He's God, just as much as Jesus is God, just as much as the Father is God. So John 15, verse 26. I can't remember who's doing what was. Yeah, go for it. Do you want to read it out? Eifert. Thank you. So he's equally God. He's equally God. The Holy Spirit is not some airy-fairy, mystical thing. He's equally God. He's we find easy to relate to the Father, don't we, often, because we understand fatherhood. Um, we understand sonship. Um, but the Holy Spirit is equally part of that trinity of God, part of the Godhead. Number two, as I say, is equal with the trinity, is from 1 Corinthians 2, and that's because he is God. So he's understanding himself in that sense. Um, he's not lesser or greater. He is equal with the God in the Godhead. He's also our helper. So Adi uh, alluded to that, but also John 14, verse 26 gives an um, indication of that as well. Fantastic. Thanks, Tom. Uh, my, my translation uses the word helper, but advocate's probably even better word, I think. Um, he advocates on our behalf. He's our helper um, and teacher, as it says there as well. Number four, he also teaches us. Um, so 1 Corinthians 2, verse 13, it's really, really important, isn't it? He teaches us stuff. He reveals scripture. Um, spiritual wisdom comes from the Holy Spirit. 
He also has a voice. The Holy Spirit has a voice. And he speaks to us. And we're going to explore some of that this morning. He speaks to us. He speaks to us directly. In Acts 13, verse 2, it says, really clear. Um, so the Holy Spirit speaks. We don't know if that was audible then, but we know the Holy Spirit speaks. And he speaks to us. Um, he speaks to me, he speaks to you. He can speak to you. We have to listen, but the Holy Spirit speaks. He has a voice. He also makes decisions on our behalf. He also interacts and makes decisions with us and on our behalf. So you read Acts 15, verse 28, it says, no, it's fine, don't worry, no. It's just in, that's just to indicate that the Holy Spirit is part of that decision-making process. He indicates to them what is right and he helps them make that decision. Um, so it's an interactive thing there as well. But you can also be upset. The Holy Spirit gets upset, grieved, the Bible says in Ephesians 4. So we can upset the Holy Spirit. So the, he has a, there's an emotional capacity to the Holy Spirit as well. Where he can be upset. And he can also get angry. We don't like to think about that too much, but he can be outraged, the Bible says. So in Hebrews 10, my translation says outraged. Um, we often get outraged, I know I do, but the Holy Spirit does in far deeper, more meaningful ways. Um, so not only does he get upset and can be, can be grieved by us, he can also get angry. Um, he has that within him. Obviously, being God, he has authority. He has authority. Um, and Acts 16, 6 and 7 shows this. There we go. So <laughs> he literally stops them from doing something. Um, he has authority and he can will us to do or not do things. Um, it sounds like I don't know how he, he forbade them, how he stopped them, whether they just listened and they didn't do it because he spoke to them. But they certainly followed his leadership and his authority in that moment there. Point number 10, he gives gifts, which is 1 Corinthians 2, verse 11. Was that 1 Corinthians 2, verse 11? Maybe. Sorry? Uh, yeah, I might have been the wrong, wrong one, one down. I'll celebrate it out. It's all these are empowered by one and the same spirit who apportions to each one individually as he wills. So I've written the wrong one down. So he gives gifts. Um, we can talk about tongues a little bit as well. Um, but he gives gifts to us. The Holy Spirit does that. He empowers us by the giving of gifts. Number 11, he intercedes. It's a very well-known passage, Romans 8, verse 26 and 27. It's amazing, isn't it? If you take nothing else from today other than those two verses, he intercedes for us. Uh, before the Father. That's amazing. With groanings too deep for words. And we don't know how to respond, how to pray. The Holy Spirit intercedes for us. That's amazing. Uh, point number 12, he's our witness. Romans 8, 16. Kind of leads on from the one before, doesn't it? Actually, Romans 8, you read it through. There's a lot about the Holy Spirit in there. Um, which we haven't got time to go through today. But he, he bears witness to us. Um, and in this case, it's that we are the children of God, but there are other places in Scripture where it talks about him being a witness for us. Point number 13, he points to and glorifies Christ himself. So John 16, verses 14 and 15, the Holy Spirit points to Christ as well. His purpose is to glorify what Jesus has done, what the Father has done as well, of course. 
Um, but in this passage, he's talking specifically about, about Christ, about Jesus. He glorifies what Jesus has done at the cross and what that's all about. Number 14, he guides us. This is John 16, verse 13. Um, for those on Zoom, obviously you can't hear a lot of this stuff. Um, I will post up the verses onto the WhatsApp later on. Um, so don't feel like you're missing out. They'll go onto the Zoom as well. Um, and for our own exploration later. And the last one I put up, as I say, this is not exhaustive, is he's personal. Uh, and that's from our passage today, which is Acts 2, verse 3. So it was very personal, very individual at that moment. Thanks for reading that. That's awesome. It rested on each one of them. Didn't leave out some. Wasn't for, for specific people. Wasn't just for those 12 people. It was for all that were in that room at that time. So that's a really quick whistle-stop tour. Um, it doesn't do the Holy Spirit justice at all. But it gives us a little bit of an indication, I hope, of who the Holy Spirit is and his interaction with us, not just then, but today. And obviously, when I was putting those, that list together, it made me think, which is what I hope it does with us today, about some of those aspects and think deeply on it to meditate on, to explore further, which is the prayer today is the hope that we go away and we all do that to some extent, to realize and think, just how much the Holy Spirit impacts our, our life and our daily walk with God. The reality is that without that engagement, without the involvement of the Holy Spirit in our lives, it's impossible to follow God in any meaningful sense. The Holy Spirit is the part of the Godhead that enables everything from understanding the Word of God through Scripture to our prayer life. He's so pivotal, and we need to focus on that and remember that not just today but beyond today as well just as pentecost was a pivotal moment in the history and formation of the church the holy spirit is equally pivotal in our walk with god individually as a community and as a church today no less relevant the list i went through is just in no particular order except point 15 i put at the end for a reason because i wanted to highlight that the holy spirit is personal to us it's not just a corporate. So if you look through the Old Testament particularly, the Holy Spirit comes to a few, tends to be leaders that are tasked with doing specific things. It's not poured out in, in big ways at all, and it's for specific tasks. But at this moment in Pentecost, it's for everyone. It becomes for everyone. And it says in that last passage, he rested on each one of them, like tongues of fire on each one of them. It was for all, and it's for all today as well that experience and that all that stuff that happened in that passage are relevant and can happen today or tomorrow or next week god became personal in a way that he hadn't before and it's one to one i don't want to say like more than that to be honest i want to keep it simple today because i want to provide an opportunity for us to Meditate on that a little bit, respond in worship, and to engage with the Holy Spirit in how we feel we can. And if we're not sure, if we've never felt like we really experienced the Holy Spirit, I don't mean some of the, the crazy stuff like speaking in tongues, although that's really important. I'll mention that in a moment. Then I want to create an opportunity for us to do that this morning. We've got plenty of time, got a good half an hour, um, which is why we kept our worship short at the start. But if you've never experienced the Holy Spirit, then 
I certainly would like to preview. Um, and others, I'm sure, I know, I'm sure Becky would love to as well. But it's important that we do interact with the Holy Spirit every day, um, whether it's through reading of scripture in our Bible studies, whether it's in our prayer life, whether it's in our, our decision making. All these are moments where the Holy Spirit's interaction and our need to engage with him is really important. And we have to train ourselves into that, that, that understanding, that way of thinking. We shouldn't be the ones that just make our own decisions. We should be engaging with God and the Holy Spirit as part of that Godhead in making those decisions, in understanding what God's saying to us day to day through scripture, through looking at his creation, through our walking around and engaging with people, whatever it looks like, the Holy Spirit should be central to that as God should be the center of our lives. The last thing I wanted to mention on here though is it talks about tongues. So I can't really talk without talking about that a little bit. Um, it's a gift that's available to all of us. First of all, we can all speak in tongues should we wish to. It's not essential to your faith, but I would say it is highly beneficial. Um, so that's something you've never done, never attempted, never maybe been too afraid of because it sounds a bit crazy. And you've seen other people doing it, it looks a bit crazy. Um, there's an opportunity for you to do that today as well. We can certainly pray for that over people that you would be filled in that way as well. In the passage, they're speaking about in other languages, and God does that. And I know other examples in, in my lifetime when I've known people to speak in tongues and it's been in other languages. But for the most part, speaking in tongues is, is, is praying to God in a language that God himself understands. It's like a deeper form of prayer in that sense, or glorification of God. It can be, as it was in this passage, of course, but majority of the time it tends to be us exalting God, drawing closer to God, getting deeper with God in, in a different way, in a deeper way. And I think that's where I'm going to leave it today, if that's okay. Appreciate it's been short, and there's a lot of information I've just thrown at you.